1: I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with none other than Agent Smith. Mr. Bilyeu. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And guys, welcome to you. We are here. We're going to be talking about Wesley D. Chapman. I actually don't know. Does he want to... I I can never tell. He introduces himself as Wes, but like on the official up and up, I think he goes by Wesley. Wesley, Wesley. officially, Yeah. There we go. Wesley Chapman. Great Super guy. Super good dude. I yeah. really like him. So I've had the good fortune of meeting him a few times off camera, both before and after the episode. Just a good dude trying to do really amazing things in the world. It was really an honor to have him on. And, and what he's doing is incredible. I hope you guys have watched the episode. He outlines um, exactly what his mission is and what a human project is trying to do. It's massive.
0: Can you talk impressive. about that? Because I think it's amazing.
1: I can. So basically, he he has an interesting concept of wanting to put himself out of business to make it unnecessary to reach out to the world and help people overcome things like shame, um, to really make the world a better place and end the chronic and in some ways systemic abuse that we see in the world, um, and and help people really understand how to process through that. And I think has a, a stance that. Um, Everybody is going to have something in their life that hurts them, whether it's sort of the big things that we think of as abuse or something a little more simple. People get into these negative narratives um, and, and there is a way out. And his own story is so profound that he's one of those guys that he can talk about the subject of overcoming abuse, overcoming difficulties, overcoming internal and external obstacles. With such credibility because of what he's been through, that when he says, "Look, playing the victim is a choice," um, there's no way to push back against yeah. it because you know he's he's lived it—psychological, physical, and sexual abuse—and has had to go through that. And what makes people that have been through it so powerful is they've—it's the way that I think of it is if you've ever read an instruction manual that feels like it was written by somebody who's never seen the thing that you're actually putting together, it's very, very frustrating. And so when you have an instruction manual that's written by somebody that's been through it, they know all those weird little things that, like how to explain it, how to walk, like you wouldn't think... That shame would be the thing that consumes people that have been abused. They didn't do it, right? It was somebody doing something to them. But he understands it. That is the gotcha. That's the thing that you're going to have to overcome. And so, right. helping people be able to process that and and systematize it and create a company. I mean, it's a nonprofit, but you know, an organization around that to really help people um, to be working in the system, child welfare, and and try to fix that system. Um, I think is is pretty amazing and then his hope is that ultimately that they're able to impact people young enough break the cycle of abuse so that like he says at the end of the day that he puts his own organization out of business and that he doesn't have to keep telling this story and his hope is that you can break that cycle you can systematize the um the overcoming of the the mental issues that lead people to do that kind of stuff in the first place, and hopefully see that cycle stop.
0: Yeah. So it's it's pretty it's powerful. amazing. And my understanding is they he and his team go around the country. They work with schools. They go into schools, and they work with the administrators there and the parents and teachers, um, and identify uh, children who have been abused or who are experiencing that, and then work with them to kind of go through that process and uh, overcome the you know the shame that they're experiencing, which is incredible. It's awesome.
1: And what I love about Wes is that he really understands scale and you know me, like scaling something is my, my focus. And the reason is that a lot of people like they're so focused on helping that one person that's right in front of them. And that is a beautiful thing. And I'm not downplaying that. Like that's incredible. And what a gift, um, to, to want to help somebody on, on an individual basis. But to do what he wants to do to really end that cycle, you have to think about scale. And so he does things that are not scalable, right? Mm-hmm. So at the, in the intro, I read like all the hours and things that he's done going, um, sitting in front of these kids, doing one-on-one mentorship, um, doing his camp, which is is you know very limited in number, but then he also understands social media and he also understands um, things that really do scale and that are able to reach people and his willingness to share his story on a global stage. And then he also has massive events. Um, he's got the Human Gathering, um, which I'm actually going to be speaking at in April. Yeah, April. Um, and so he, he's doing things like that to get a lot of influencers in one place at one time so that the message can scale, so that it can spread. So, And that's the thing that I find so interesting about Wes is he's, he's really somebody who understands both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. The hyperhuman, highly individualistic, Connected one on one, all the way to how do we scale this up? How do we impact what he says? His goal
0: is to impact a billion lives. And he's a beast on social media. He is a beast. He's all over. I hope he's watching this right now. I'm sure he is. Yeah. What's up, Wes? <laughs> um, now that we've been uh, we've been on for a few minutes, I want to welcome our Facebook Live audience and say that um, speaking of scale, you can help us yes. scale by sharing this live feed. And if you do, you have the opportunity to win a 10-minute chat with uh, Tom Bilyeu here.
1: Nice. I hear his 10-minute chats are, dare I say, legendary. I've heard the same. (laughs) (laughs) So join me for a 10-minute chat. Yeah, share this, guys. That really means a lot. You know that's our one ask right now. Um, So if you would, share it. We're trying to get as many people into this ecosystem as humanly possible to have the kind of impact that we're trying to have. Um, I almost choked to death. So share soon before I pass away. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, and if you haven't seen the episode yet, highly encourage you to do so. It launched yesterday. We're going to drop it in the comments so you can check it out, or you can always check it out on our podcast. A um, couple of YouTube comments I want to I read because people nice. have been uh, diving in already. Uh, one is from Medlife. They say, this guy is made out of steel. I can sense mm-hmm. an aura of pure strength around him. Yeah. Definitely. Wes is so not true. for play.
1: Nope. He even says in the episode, like, there's a, a good side to every bad thing that happens to you, and the when he looks at his own life, he says, I don't think he would wish his life on anybody, the early part anyway. But he says now, like, you can't knock me down. Like, good luck, right? So if I've survived all of this, if I've gone through this, if I've had to, like, find a way internally to be strong enough to deal with that, there just isn't anything that life can throw at me that I won't be able to overcome. And and so, yeah, saying that he's literally the man of steel, I'm with that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. What do you think about that strategy of sort of collecting the hardships in your life and keeping a a mental catalog of them and then referring back to them to say, I got through this, I can get through anything.
1: I think it's critical. Yeah. I I really
0: do. Oh yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, For sure. And, you know, you get what you focus on, right? So if you're focusing on how those bad things happen to you and why, woe was me, why did they happen to me, they'll be destructive. But if you focus on the fact, I survived this, I got through this, this is something that I have found that path through. I'm the type of person that looks at the hardships in my life and says, here's how you get to the other side. That's how you begin to build an identity. It's the exact same thing that happened to you, but you're focusing on a different element of it. And when you do that, they become these empowering moments. And so, yeah, I think about that all the time. It's also one of the reasons that I work out in the gym. Like, the gym is an easy way for people to access that part of themselves because it hurts. And you're putting yourself in a situation where you're going to suffer. Like, this morning, I hurt my shoulder. I was just saying that before I started rolling. And um, you you just have to look at it and go, yeah, I'm willing to deal with that. Yes, I am going to show up next time. Yes, I'm going to be smarter about it. Yes, I'm going to fix this problem. Yes, I'm going to push through pain because... I'm the type of person that does that. And so when you like are just constantly reinforcing something like that in your own head, then you become capable of more. And then the next time when a bigger hardship comes, then you're the kind of person that gets their way through that. And then you just begin to have this, you know by the time you hit uh, my age, it's, you've got this um, just catalog of things that you've gone through, that you've survived, that you're proud of how you reacted. And uh, it, it becomes a self-filling filling prophecy of... Like, I can
0: handle anything. Yeah, that's great. Uh, another comment on YouTube from Nina Buck. She says, wow, exclamation point. Thanks to both of you for this wonderful session. Wes, I'm now one of the billion you've impacted. That's awesome. Thanks, Nina. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, another one, Undina Castillo says, one of my favorites so far. Congrats on 20K. That's dope. Thanks, Thank Andina. You, by the way. And thanks for helping us get there. Yeah, no kidding. All right. So this one I want to read, I think is a nice jumping off point for us. It's from Stefan Holstein. He says, the power of story is truly King. Know your own narrative is always so powerful.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, my feelings on that, it it really is. And what's coming out in neuroscience now about narrative and about how humans, like there's a reason that, that as a species, we have used narrative for so long and, Um, It it is the way that our metaphor seeking brain uses to understand, like that's how we assimilate new information. That's how we communicate information. That's how we connect. That's how we bond. Um, it, It is. It's a fundamental driver of the human condition. And it's how we establish our identity, right? For sure. Yes. And I mean, in a, in a scary way, because most people don't take control of it. So they Mm -hmm. see their, I think people look at the moment that they're living in right now as the summation of their life. And they think like, if you look at a math equation, it's like my past plus me equals like the end, right? That's who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where people really go wrong because they don't understand that Yes, your past is an element um, of who you are, but who you are can change at any time, and you're not the end of the equation. Like, who you are right now today, you're, like, in the middle of something. And I don't think enough people look at it that way. They they live in this perpetual state of finality. And Mm. because they're... Looking at themselves like right now today is it this is the finale and tomorrow they're going to wake up and this is the finale and the next day the finale and, and so on and so forth that they feel like post adolescence they're in this state of um, of being like a, a marble statue like there's there's no flexibility there's no change and that we actually uh, punish people for changing and oh you've changed right like if you want to really hurt somebody you've changed <laughs> It's like
0: college has changed you, bro.
1: Yeah. Like I, and so there's an awesome line by um, Jay-Z and he says, you think I worked this hard to stay the same? And it's like, that's always resonated with me, dude. If you want to, like, if you want to hang with me, like my poor, my long suffering wife, it's like, I won't be the same person a week from now that I am today. And you know, it's all about understanding the trajectory of the change, taking control of that and really changing in a, in a way that makes sense. I think Cindy has a hand. I have questions, and I also want to say Wesley's in the comments. Word up, Wesley D. Chapman in the house. What's up, Wes? What's up, Wes? Thank you for joining us, dude. Thank you for delivering such an amazing episode. You are an incredible, incredible human being. So thank you. Okay, so
0: our first question um, comes from Laura Dufresne. In your Freedom Fastlane keynote address, you encourage us to adopt the mentality that we are to blame for events in our lives. I love that mindset because it empowers me in every area of my life. However, as a victim of abuse myself, I had a long struggle trying to come to terms with the fact that somehow my abuse was the exception to this new outlook. I think I found a way to rectify this in my mind. Thank you for this episode, which made me cry. But can you clarify this for others, especially other abuse victims? Thanks. Yeah, we th- should repeat the question yeah. for our folks on the podcast. So from Laura Dufresne, she says that in your talk in Freedom Fast Lane, you say that you are responsible for everything that happens in your life. Um, but how do you reconcile that with some of the ideas talked about in the episode with Wes? Um, that, um, and she's saying that I think she reconciled it between um, uh, the abuse that she suffered is an actual exception to that rule. So. She wanted to say also, thanks, but get your thoughts on that. Yeah. So my take on that is you have to recognize
1: that the stance that everything is my fault is absurd, right? So this is that notion of every, like you have to be comfortable with the friction between holding two competing ideas in your head. I am hyper aware that blaming myself for a meteorite hitting my wife is absurd. I'm hyper aware that blaming yourself for being abused is absurd. The reason it's empowering is all you're trying to do. The only reason that you should take responsibility for everything that happens in your life is to remind yourself that you're in control, that you can make a different choice, that that's never going to happen to you again, and it's never going to happen to you again for X, Y, Z reason. Now you're cognizant. Now you can make different choices. And I, I only use blame and fault to get people's attention. Okay, so the way that I really like, once you're on the advanced class, like you're in the, um, you're doing your doctoral thesis in mind control of your own mind. It's to understand now that you're there. Now that I've got your attention, I don't use those words. Like I'm not trying to beat myself up. The last thing I think somebody should do is beat themselves up over being abused. Right? Like that. That is exactly 180 degrees in the opposite direction of what i'm trying to get people to do what i'm trying to get people to understand is exactly what Wes said in the episode that you know he the last time he was abused he was uh, six and a half seven years old mm-hmm. and he said but he was bringing it up all the time and it was like he was explaining why he was angry or whatever because hey this is what happened to me and he said that person has continued to they haven't physically touched me in like a decade but they continue to touch me every day because i keep coming back to that became part of his identity right exactly yeah. and so we said i'm gonna put the victim to bed and be a hero instead, and like, he was able to get to that point because he was willing to accept responsibility for who he is today. He was willing to accept responsibility for what he's focusing on. That's where I'm trying to get people. So at the end of the day, you need to do and believe that which empowers you, right? So if, if feeling ashamed of what happened to you, empowered you, made you a better person, allowed you to help more people, then it would be awesome. But it doesn't. It is totally destructive. And people get caught up in a loop of shame, of beating themselves up, of thinking that they're unworthy. It just isn't useful. And you said, you know, one of the things that excited you about this episode was that Wes and I were so on the same page with so many things. And one of those things is efficacy. Like, look at what works. Mm -hmm. And so he said, I'm looking at my life and playing a victim is getting me nothing. Right? It isn't like, and here's what I want people to understand. Like, I have the chills. It isn't that you weren't victimized. You were. Like, so very clearly. And, If you've been abused in any form, you have been victimized, but you still have a choice as to whether you choose the identity of the victim, right? And that's an ongoing perpetual state. And what I'm trying to get people to to see is that's not going to serve you. And so what do you have to do to shake yourself out of that mentality, right? And I'm just saying take ownership of everything, down to your thought process, down to what you can do in the future, down to how this is going to impact who you are today, who you can become in the future. All the other stuff is is just that notion of holding two competing ideas. I, I just worry that when people draw a line and they say, well, there's some things that are my responsibility and some things that aren't, they never click over. And they're always giving themselves the out of, well, well, that thing was horrible. And so I should feel bad for that. And that one exists in a different realm. And so I'm going to continue to let that eat me alive. It just doesn't work. It's it's not an effective strategy.
0: And that's all I'm trying to get people to understand. And and I think Wes, um, and this is sort of a subtle nuance, but I think Wes makes that point is that you know, don't let the story be told outside of you. Don't let it be told by the external things happening to you. You are responsible for the story about yourself. You're responsible for who you want to be. Um, i actually wanted to talk to you about that because he says, um, you need to tell the story that you want. And a lot of people tell the story that they think other people want, right? Like whether it's media or whether it's their friends or family. Mm. So how do you, how do you start to write your own story? This is one of those things where the answer is so simple, people don't hear me. And Wes talked about
1: it in the episode, and it was so cool to hear him say exactly the same thing. Like at some point, you, if you want to write your own story, you write your own story. It's that simple. So if I want to tell myself that I'm the kind of person that can overcome abuse, I just start saying that. I'm I, li- Like literally these words. I am the type of person that can overcome abuse. I'm not going to focus on the negative. I'm going to help other people. I'm going to, um, look at the ways in which this has helped me. Oh shit. Like, so Wes, right? Um, yes, I've been abused. Yes. That's a part of what I've gone through. I'm going to find my cathartic moment. He said it, you know, it happened behind closed doors. I'm going to find that healing moment for me. And then I'm going to focus on the things that empower me. And so one of the things that he began to focus on was that notion of I am unstoppable, right? And it fucking starts with, you just start saying it, you start saying it. and, it, this is this is understanding the neurological realities of being a human, and that the brain cannot differentiate. Okay, everybody, listen to this: the brain cannot differentiate between signaling to other people and self-signaling. Okay, what you say to other people, you know, will work, right? If you go tell people, "Hey, I'm um, I'm really into reading," and you read a lot, and you just you don't even think twice that people are going to believe about you that you're into reading. But what people don't understand is when you start telling someone I'm into reading, you start becoming more into reading because you're saying it to yourself. And right. you're going to start reading a little bit more because you're saying it to yourself. And then you're going to be like, whoa, I really am into reading. Like it doesn't like whatever that thing is. So let's say you are broken. You were on the floor. You have been totally devastated by abuse. Nothing in your life seems worthwhile. You are contemplating suicide. Okay. You've got no credibility with yourself whatsoever. You do not believe about yourself that you're the kind of person that is going to overcome this. In that moment, in the darkness that you're living in, right then and there, you say to yourself, I'm the kind of person that pushes through darkness. I'm the kind of person that gets up off the floor. I'm the kind of person that will find a path to this, even when it seems hopeless. I'm the kind of person that doesn't give up. Okay? You actually say those things. You can say them out loud, you can say them silently in your head, but as you begin to repeat those things, they will become true, because that's how the mind works, and it begins to wire, and literally, you will look for ways, like we look for confirmatory evidence, okay? So as you sit there, and if you tell yourself, I'm the kind of person that like this bad shit is always happening to, that's just me you will find the truth in that. You will find the times that you were abused, the times that you were neglected, the times that people made fun of you. Like, they will spring to mind so powerfully and so aggressively that it will be self-evident that that is true. But on the other hand, if you say, I'm the kind of person that gets up, I'm the kind of person that pushes through this, I'm the kind of person that gets better and improves over time and no matter how dark and painful, like I keep going, you will find the evidence for that and it will become self-evident as well. Whatever you focus on, whatever you tell yourself becomes self-evident because that's how the mind works. Okay? And that's what people don't understand. This is just a mechanism. I'm just telling people to tap into a mechanism of the human brain. It looks for confirmation, not disconfirmation. It is easier to see something that is there than something that is not there. So if you say to yourself, I'm the type of person that bad things happen to, you don't start thinking of the thousand great things that happen to you. Your mind latches on to the thousand ways in which that is a true statement instead of the thousand ways in which that is a false statement. Both are equally true. Okay, That is just how the,
0: the human mind works. All right, so what if you um, are not aware of the narrative you're telling yourself what if you have a um, negative uh, self-narrative cycle happening and it's happening at a subconscious level and you're not aware that is happening i promise for everyone and that's
1: why the rather than trying to spend all your time identifying like what's that subconscious loop that's playing Start telling yourself an empowering narrative out loud. Write it down. Say it out loud. Say it to your significant other. Say it to a best friend. Say it to a stuffed animal. doesn't matter. Just start saying it. Then that's going to be the thing that you're focusing on. Then that's going to be the thing that you start really reinforcing in your mind and then maybe just maybe you'll start to be aware of the times where something slips in and this is what daniel amon dr daniel amon calls ants automatic negative thoughts and people have to get very very good at stamping those out so one it starts with just consciously telling yourself a narrative and then you'll find that your mind begins to wander and so this is something i was thinking about last night as i was having trouble falling back asleep and I thought it is so fascinating. Like my mind goes from one notion to the next notion to the next notion to the next notion, and like ceaselessly. And what's fascinating about that, and why it's so important to understand that, that is what the mind is programmed to do, okay? That is what the mind does, is it moves from thought to thought to thought to thought to thought. It is ceaseless. Meditation is about learning to stop that automatic process. And honestly, the only way that I've ever been able to do it, and I'm sure there are amazing people that just have something figured out that I don't, but the only way that I've been able to do it is to put my mind onto something like the the part of the cycle of the breath that I'm on because my mind will be occupied by something. Okay, That is the nature of the brain. It's like understanding that humans are an active species that go into an environment, try to master that environment. That's just what we do. And so once you understand that about people and the way that you have these internal drivers, once you understand that the mind is going to latch on to all these things, you will understand the absolute necessity of taking control of that. So your mind is going to go to something. But if you don't take control of that, it's gonna, it, it just slides to the protective mechanisms, which are almost always about the ways you're insufficient, the reasons you shouldn't leave the house, the reasons that you shouldn't put yourself out there, because it's, it is more dangerous to engage, to go do something, to take a risk in front of the social group than it is to retreat inward. And so the until you train it otherwise, because you can train it, until you train it otherwise, that's what your brain will do.
0: All right. I want to remind everyone what we're doing here. We're on Facebook Live. We are doing After Impact. This is the show where Tom and I sit down and go deep post-game analysis of the episode, which launched yesterday with Wesley Chapman. Highly encourage you to go check it out. If you haven't seen it already, we are giving away a 10-minute chat with Tom Bilyeu. If you share the live feed, it's going to help us scale, reach more people, grow our community. That's what we're doing in phase one of Impact Theory. So, Cindy, do we have any questions from our live audience? Yeah, we do. This one's from Joe Cross. Um, what have you found are the key triggers that compel people to change their mindset? Question is from Joe Cross, and it is, what have you found are the key triggers that compel people to change their mindset? Pain, suffering, like rock bottom.
1: I, I don't. Not many people change. Until they've, they've just, they're have encountering something that they can't take anymore, mm. and then they're, they're going to push back against that. Like they, they no longer feel that they have any other option. Um, I, I'm deeply distressed by that as a human characteristic, um, but that was like chasing money for me. It was the only thing that snapped me out of that was I got so unhappy that I was like, I'd rather be poor than this. Right. I don't want to keep suffering drug addicts. Same thing. Got to hit rock bottom. There's got to be some moment where it's like, I would rather anything other than this. Like it's just, it's so painful. Um, yeah, I, I have not seen anything that is consistently true other than that.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, I want to read another comment from YouTube. So this is from Tony Smithson. He says, uh, I can specifically remember. So he's talking about the Elmo effect. I can specifically remember certain Christmases where I asked for only one thing and at the time seemed like the only thing I wanted in the world. Skipping ahead, I've recently ended the near four-year relationship with this same idea of self-sabotaging the relationship by thinking the thoughts of you never listen to me, you never hear what I'm saying, and when I ask for certain things, it is not reciprocated. So I'd love to dive in a little bit more into the Elmo effect. I know we touched on it briefly, but what is the Elmo effect and uh, why is that such an important thing to recognize that's happening? So this comes from one of uh, Wesley's
1: actual um, people that he was working with, helping them process through something. And... They were, because he said, "Look, not not every trauma is like some big, grand write a book about trauma. Some of it is just not feeling heard, not feeling like your feelings are validated." Um, and he said it can stem from something as simple as you ask every Christmas for an Elmo doll, and you get all this amazing stuff, an Xbox, cool toys, whatever, but you don't get the Elmo doll. And so, even though it's something that from the outside you just think, "Wow, that's so trite and petty." Like, how can you be a Obsessed about that, but people do, and they it makes them feel a certain way. it makes them feel not heard and he said people will carry that with them for years and years and years and let it impact the um, the relationships that that they're in and things like that. Um, so that really 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 rings true to me, and I think that people do that um, it's obviously not very productive or helpful um, and then getting into like how to deal with things like that, the way that um, my wife and I did it was coming back to that base of, do you believe that that person loves you? And if the answer is yes, then it isn't that they, because they may really not be validating your feelings. They really may not be hearing you. They may not understand. But you marry that with, okay, I believe that they love me. So I, I will for now just assume they're not doing it on purpose. And then I have to take ownership of this. I'm not communicating in a way that's effective. They're clearly not hearing me. And this is where my wife and I began to define terms, right? Because the other person has their own internal life. They're, you know, going through things. They're distracted by their own ants, their own automatic negative thoughts. They're distracted by all the things that they're trying to do in the world. They're maybe blinded by something. They're excited about it. I mean, it's not always bad. Like they're just amped. And so they really aren't hearing you. But if you take responsibility for learning to communicate that in a way that's effective using words that the other person knows, Hey, you need to stop and listen to what's going on here, or that they have the opportunity to explain why they're not going to, you know, give you the Elmo doll or whatever. um, Then you can keep the, the lines of dialogue open.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, Wes talks about in the episode uh, that like you said not not everyone is suffering in the same way and just because someone has a has a different circumstance doesn't mean that they're still going through some pain and trauma Um, and your brain uh, if I'm kind of summing him up I think he says your brain doesn't really distinguish between degrees of trauma or pain subjectively speaking right suffering is equal to the sufferer so do you feel the same way and why do you think this is an important concept if so
1: yeah, I, I do feel the same way. And the example that he gives in the episode is, you know, he had never broken a bone in his body, but he's, you know, stubbed his toe on things and it, it is a blinding pain. And he said, I fully accept that somebody who's broken their leg in six places and have it, had to have it reset. And, you know, he didn't push it this far, but like somebody getting their bone reset and they pass out because you know, the pain is so intense. That person is going to go, I'll take a stubbing of my toe. Like the. The um, scope of it just isn't the same, but you know, just like on a graph, it's like there are times where if you zoom in, the peaks and valleys look the same, and then you zoom out because there's an amplitude that's you know magnitudes bigger. Then the other thing looks small, but when you zoom in, the like amplitude of it looks the same. Um, that that example would be way cooler if we were we showing graph, something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think that that's important for people to understand because this notion of automatic negative thoughts. So you think. I've, you know, I'm obsessing over my Elmo doll. Um, I shouldn't be. This is so stupid. There are people that are going through way worse. And so now you're compounding the problem because you don't feel listened to and you think you're an idiot and you're beating yourself up for it. But it's that's not making the Elmo effect go away, right? The thing that's yeah. going to make the Elmo effect go away is to recognize that it is a deep-seated human desire to feel heard and understood. And you need to communicate that to your partner. And until you do, like that's going to be something that's in your mind. And so allowing yourself that that is the amplitude of the life that I've lived and thusly like those things are very intense for me. They mean something to me and they may not turn into chronic anxiety or anything, but it's, it's a meaningful event in their life and they need to process through it and, and allowing themselves that instead of just further ridiculing themselves, I think is, is very important.
0: Yeah. And it's also, um, I think it's helpful for people to understand that, you know, and I think people do this, that they diminish their own, Um, pain and suffering right Mm -hmm. well i'm not really going through anything hard like you know i live in a developed country i have means um, available to me and yet i'm still anxious or i'm still stressed or i'm still dealing with these things and it's easy to diminish that but i think one of wes's points was you know you're not alone Um, just because people are suffering in a different way doesn't mean it's necessarily any worse than what you're going through internally.
1: Yeah, A, definitely. And B, diminishing it is not the same as dealing with it. And I think that's where people get stuck is because they're trying to dismiss it, because they're trying to diminish it, they never actually process it. And in not processing it, it's going to linger. And so for Wes, who's somebody who's trying to help people live their best um, life, it, that's holding you back from that, right? Yeah. And so it's it's super sad. and and this is one of those things that's like it's such a bummer because you're watching somebody who could really be extraordinary, and it's not like they're being held back by something massive that you would look at and go, "Whoa, that really would be hard to overcome. They're being held back by a litany of really stupid stuff. And it's you know the the minor things but their life is still held back. And that's Wes's point, right? Your life is still held back. Like until you're able to process through that, until you're able to have the breakthrough, the cathartic moment, the healing moment, you're not gonna get on the other side of it.
0: And so learning to process through even the small things I think is really important. That's awesome. So I was listening to Run the Jewels this morning. What is that? They're a rap duo. Run the Jewels? Run the Jewels, check them out. They're really wow, good. Wow, I'm gonna have to. Killer Mike and LP. Um, Shout and out to Killer Mike and LP. yeah. There's a, uh, there's a line in, in one of their songs on the new album says, can't pick up no crown holding what's holding you down. Can't pick up no crown holding what's holding you down. And that really, I felt like was perfect for this episode, you know, letting go of the burden of the things that are holding you back Mm. because you can't, you can't pick up the crown if you're holding the other thing. Right. You got to set that down. Can, can we talk about, um, raccoons for a second? Yeah,
1: And I prefer to say raccoons, even though I know there's raccoons, but like raccoons. raccoons is so much more fun to say. Um, so y- do you know how to trap a raccoon? No. I put don't. a shiny object in a box where they can put their paw. It's a paw, right? Yeah. They can put their paw into it, but once they grab the object and make a fist, they can't get it back out. Oh. And they won't let go of the object. Like they will just stay stuck because they're like, I'm not letting go of this thing. And like it I, ridiculous it it is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't believe it works, but like that Desire to even hold on to something negative when it becomes a part of your identity It is who you are. It's your burden. It's your yoke to bear, right? Like that People do that shit and like they're almost more afraid like who am I if I don't have this Who am I if I don't have this burden this pain this whatever and so to let go is to like go into the unknown of like, who do I blame now? Right. Like, if I don't have that external thing that has done this to me, like, well, then what? Like, is this really all my fault? And I see like that is the thing that I see hold more people back than anything is not knowing who they are without their pain. And so they, so you were quoting the line from run the jewels, run the jewels, run the jewels. I want to know like in the comments who I've never heard of these guys. Oh, they're big I like, right now. I'm, I am, I'm going to have to check them out. A, I'm super into hip-hop. They're hip-hop, yeah? Yeah. All right, super into hip-hop. And then B. I even though at 33, most people stop seeking out new music, I do not. I seek it all new. All there right, so back, back to the shiny object syndrome. Uh, people, if you want to trap a raccoon, um, you put a shiny object in a box where they can get their paw through. But once they clutch the object, they can't get it back out. And instead of letting it go and pulling their hand out... They just keep holding on to that thing, which is absolutely crazy to me. Um, but that's where I see a lot of people go because the, the pain that you're going through, that thing that happened to you, that negative thing in your past, it really does become a part of your identity. And people don't know who they are without that and don't want to take responsibility because to take responsibility for everything that's happened in your life, you have to go backwards, right? And now you're painting backwards over everything that... I was living in a suboptimal mindset and that idea so freaks people out because of what they build their self-esteem around. People build their self-esteem around being right. And so they're not prepared to invalidate 99.999% of their life to say that I was wrong for all those years that I could have been thinking in a more effective way. But if you just make a subtle shift And don't build your self esteem around being right, build it around identifying the right answer. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh my God, like I just realized that I could be doing things more optimally. This is amazing. I'm so excited. And I'm the kind of person going back to that notion of how do you build that new identity? You just say it. I'm the kind of person that builds my identity around identifying the right answer. This is like just the other day, um, I was with um, Matt Lagotti. Who's with uh vayner talent, amazing guy, super cool guy uh, he was with me at South by Southwest, and he wanted to do those photo booths and I hate those things I, love those things. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> I absolutely hate that, and he was like, "But Tom, you're the guy that says yes to everything." and I was like, "You oh. motherfucker." so I was like, "You know what you're absolutely right, and so we got in, we had a blast because I just flipped that switch in my mind and and was reminded by somebody of the identity that I build that I say yes to everything so ended up being a lot of fun. So, you know, shifting that subtle but massive thing about what you build your self-esteem around allows you to let go of said shiny object, get your hand out of the trap, and continue moving forward. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, has it and with eBay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com
0: eligible items only exclusions apply yeah and I think the beautiful part of that is once you let go you open yourself up to all this possibility and, and potential that you could be reaching no right? question the crown that's the crown I think I think that's what you got to pick up the crown. But you first have to let go of the other thing. No question. Um, all right. We have any more questions from that's Facebook a great Live. Line. Thank you for introducing you me. You know, and I didn't I'd heard the song multiple times, but hadn't really listened to the lyrics. And then this morning I was like, oh. It was like a light a bulb. Second. Going on, you know? Nice. And then it was perfect for this episode today.
1: And I have to say, so you've now introduced me to two hip hop. I had never heard the song Monster by Kanye oh, great song. and Jay-Z and
0: Nicki Minaj, thank you, which is fantastic, so I'm grateful for that. Now I get to check out Run the Jewels. I got to give a shout-out to my buddy Jarvis because he's really the one putting me on to all the good Now, is he your days. home AI? No, he is not. But oh, that's sad. Yeah. All right, well, what's up, Jarvis? Um, any questions from our Facebook Live so, audience? Um, this one comes from Danborough Fitness. Uh, put the victim to bed and wake the hero instead. How do you put the victim? victim to bed when you have had to overcome an issue or insecurity so that's wait gotta oh, yeah. the question. sorry thank you from dambro fitness he's quoting the uh wesley uh, put the victim to bed and put wake the hero up instead which is an awesome line in the episode and then he says um to tom how have you put the b- victim to bed uh in your life so the the thing that really made me feel like a victim
1: was my own mind. And I think that's how I got really obsessed with it. So I'm a, just an obscenely slow reader. I've never considered myself very smart. I've always been surrounded. Um, if you've read Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, like somehow some way, I just grew up around like even to this day some of the smartest people I've ever met were people that I went to high school with and so it just always made me feel stupid um so I grew up feeling like I was stupid um not feeling like I was really exceptional at anything um and just being like woe is me about the hand that I was dealt right and so I actually have you seen the movie Amadeus? Not the whole thing. I've seen oh, my it. God. Like, watch this movie. I pr- so many people are going to identify with this. So in the movie, there's two characters. There's Amadeus Mozart, yep. who is amazing, one of the most remembered um, artists of all time. And then there's this guy named Solieri. Now, the story is largely told from Solieri's point of view. So it's his take on Amadeus. And in it, Solieri basically says, I have been given a curse. I have the chills just remembering this. I love this movie. Solieri says, I've been given a curse. I'm just good enough to recognize how much better Amadeus is. I'm just good enough to recognize how much better he is. And that's how I've always felt. Like, as a kid, I always felt like I'm just smart enough to realize how smart these people are. Like, how much smarter than I am they are. And I used to think if I had just been either a little bit dumber or a little bit smarter that I would have been happier. And so that really haunted me for a long time. I can't tell you, like... and." you know, in the context of like what Wes is talking about, like, hey, woe is me? This is clearly a fucking first world problem. But like, that really was my identity for a very long time. And I kept encountering, and that's why I had a fixed mindset, right? I was trying to put myself like, I just wanted to be somewhere where I was the smartest for once. Mm -hmm. And that made me make a lot of really dumb decisions for a very long time. And it wasn't until I was in my mid twenties that I began to realize wait a second, if I'm goal oriented and what I really want is to become rich, and I've talked about that's not my goal anymore, but like that was my whole big thing then. If I really want to be rich, then why am I doing things to prove that I'm smart? Like, do you want to be the smartest person in the room or do you want to get wealthy? Like, make a decision. And so it was once I found being um, efficacious, like doing what's effective that things began to shift and I realized, ah, like I'm doing something weird here. And what I ultimately realized was building my self-esteem around being right. So um, that, that, was a, that was a big thing for me. So I had to get over that. I had to look inward. I had to begin to research the brain. I had to understand how the mind worked. So that was my victimhood and my poor memory, if I didn't already say that. Like my memory is, is and I am well aware that when I say this, I'm reinforcing it. Um, so I need to decide how to better handle this. But I have historically had a bad memory Um, And that's always been very frustrating for me. And so it's ironic to me that one of the things that um, I've gotten known for on the show is having like a great memory and being able to pull like all this information up. And my thing is, I remember about 10% of what I encounter. So my strategy has just been to encounter so much information that the 10% from a raw number standpoint is big, but it's still only 10%. And that um, I remember one time, God, I'm derailing, but I remember one time uh, me and a friend were having a conversation with this third guy and the third guy was, he had heard somewhere that like, oh, a book of questions or something and like, would you give up everything that you own to have a photographic memory? And he was like, I don't even understand. Like, how would that be advantageous? And I was like, dude, I would give up everything I own and then some to have a photographic memory because the, the power that you would have. But on the flip side, just to wrap this one up in a bow, My wife wishes she was as forgetful as I am because I forget the bad things as well as the good Mm. So like I don't hang on to shit Interesting and so it's like shifting that focus to hey, maybe it's my superpower Maybe forgetting is the thing that has allowed me to find happiness to not linger in the negativity to be able to Change what I build my self-esteem around and you know, just like all the things in my past just become like these dim memories. Yeah That's great
0: um, have you heard of people going on a media diet? No, but I can sort of suss it out. They stop taking yeah. in media. They yeah. s- they stop with news media. They stop with social media. Um, and they just take a break. Yeah, and I've heard of the concept, not in those words. but The reason I thought about it was, again, going back to Wes's idea of um, people struggling with, especially um, young people struggling with their identities um, and you know, it's because they're listening to all these external stories about Mm -hmm. themselves, what they should be like, that they should be prettier, smarter, more athletic, achieving more, whatever, and not listening to their own story. So I was just wondering if you'd heard of that, what do you think of that as a concept of, uh, trying to listen to yourself a little bit more?
1: I think people should definitely listen to themselves more. I don't feel compelled to go on a media diet for the following reason. I curate so relentlessly what I let into my mental space. Um, and if, Am I the only one hearing that? No, I'm hearing that Uh too. Well, hopefully the Facebook live audience (laughs) is not hearing the bizarre static noise. Um, but if you let things into your world that are not empowering, that are not moving you forward, then you should just take, go on a diet of that. Like Hmm. that, that's never going to serve you. Um, so I use media in a very empowering way. I'm always looking for things that like, um, here's something that I've come across recently to finish that statement. Um, I find the thing that destroys anxiety for me is fascination. And when I find something Mm. that like really like, whoa, that is so interesting. And, and this is very much in the context of preparing for, um, uh, an impact theory episode. Right. So, um, that's where I'll get my most anxious preparing for that. And I know that like, and the funny thing is the more episodes we do, the more pressure there is on me. Right. It's like, Oh, Tom, your intros are amazing. And it's like, well, fuck now I really have to write like good intros. So it's like, and (laughs) you know, like, Oh dude, the way that like you can go anywhere with a conversation. Well, Jesus, now like I have to be able to do it. So it's like the, the temptation to let all of that stuff in, like I combat it, by really getting fascinated by the person right so watching the watching Wes's talks and like seeing what he's trying to do and what his mission is and like finding myself like whoa like this guy is so interesting like i just want to sit down and talk with him and that like that to me man that is a real way to combat a lot of this stuff is mm-hmm. is to find like some and that's what I'm trying to do in media consumption is is find that thing that makes me feel alive. Find that thing that excites me. Find that thing that gives me a new piece of information that lets me go and do something. Because I use media in that way, I've never thought about going on a diet. Sure. But you, you have to be very careful
0: about what you spend time thinking about. You have to be careful about the narratives that you're introducing to your life, right? Right. And like even what I read, I'm so ferocious. Like I know and
1: this may sound like a lot to some people, but it sounds like so little to me. I know that I'm going to read about 50 books in a year. So it's like, I'm only going to read 50 books. Like when I think about how much knowledge is out in the world, I'm like, God, like I really have to be careful about what I choose to read because like that book is instead of another book. And I have that Mm -hmm. like sense of, oh, be careful. So be careful.
0: Speaking of narrative, um, you and Wes, Go pretty deep into comic books, superheroes. Dig it, dig it. You guys are super aligned there. So what do you think of his understanding of comics as self empowering narratives? I love it, man.
1: And and I wonder sometimes like how much of this is that um, that we grew up with that. And that was like I remember like before I had my driver's license, like begging my parents to drive me, there was one comic shop and this was, you know, before you could get a digital comic. So like you had to drag yourself to the one comic store that existed in your town. Inner sanctum. That was yours? In Bakersfield. Yeah. Nice. And I am so, as evidenced uh, by my earlier statement about my memory, I don't remember the name of the one that I went to, but I can picture it so clearly. Like, I can tell you, I could walk right now to exactly where the image comics were because image was my jam. So I was all about image comics. And what's um, an image comic? Oh, exactly? what? What is happening right now? You yeah. don't know Image Comics? No. Oh, my God. Okay, she has a past because I guess you're super young as well. Oh, man. Are they like, I don't think they really have as much juice anymore. So imagine this back in the day, a bunch of comic book artists and um, writers. Get together and they're like, we're being taken advantage of by the big companies. So what we're going to do is we're going to be artist owned. You guys are going to maintain the rights to your own characters um, and and really be able to do something with this. It was like Todd McFarlane, the guy that created Deadpool's name, I'm forgetting right now. Um, I really want to remember it. Doesn't matter Uh, a bunch of them. I don't remember how many get together and they form this comic book company. And because most of them were artists as well, like it was like the high gloss paper. It was like unbelievably cool artwork Uh and I'm so visual. So for me, it was like, that was amazing. So I was like way, way into image comics. Would make my parents drive me there. As soon as I got my license, I started driving myself there. And I had like some friends, none of them were like really into comics, like I was into comics. So, anyway, to wrap it back up, I don't know how much of this is like we just all grew up with that. And it became really a part of like you could enter this whole other world. And these people, like comics, my fascination with comics, if I'm honest, started with like the fantasy of waking up one day with superpowers. Like, mm-hmm. that was, I, do you get this? Do you like, I find almost a relief valve in my brain by allowing myself to ask. And this is why when somebody says like, okay, if you could get one wish, what would you wish for? I have an answer and it is really good. And I've thought a lot about it because there's like some like weird little release valve to go.
0: You could wake up tomorrow with superpowers. I love that. What is the wish? Just for people who haven't heard this before.
1: All right. So if a genie comes, there's really only one answer through simple thoughts to be able to um, change matter into anything that you want. It's the only one that's a basically like more wishes, right? So I yeah. could be like, oh, you have a tumor? No, you don't, bro. You're now a superhuman, right? <laughs> <Bye-bye>. <laughs> so it's like stuff like that. Like, oh, you're on Mars and you can't breathe oxygen. Yes, you can. It's like now there's oxygen or now you don't need oxygen. Like the lungs can whatever. Or like you just totally transcend biology. Like, but yeah, so I could that's keep a good going one. on. It, it's amazing. It is the answer, so
0: and Anybody that wants to borrow that, should the manager roll up at your house, you can thank your boy. <laughs> and, and Wes said he would be... It, Iron Man is his superhero. Yeah, no right? question. That's my favorite as well. It's your favorite? Yeah. That's, that's what you would... He's the only other person okay. I've heard say that's their favorite. Nice. Oh, that's my favorite, for ways
1: cool. For the exact reason that he gave. Right. Which is he doesn't have superpowers. Um He just busts
0: his ass and creates, you know, this suit that allows him to do amazing things. Right. That's and the then he says is. that that suit... Uh, that that idea that metaphor is that I can put on any armor I want to become anything I need to become to empower my life, right? Which is what Iron Man does. Yes.
1: Now, so Wes like has like a whole background thing with like that notion of wearing a suit that I think is really powerful, and I won't. Um Bastardize it you guys should watch the episode if you haven't already. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty powerful And and he talks about how that actually took him somewhere not positive for yeah. a while And then he was able to sort of regain his equilibrium with that um, The question that I am always expecting someone to ask me at least Joseph Martell Joshua Martel, I can't believe I messed up his name Joshua Martell should be asking me um, Is why don't you want to be Batman because he also doesn't have superpowers anybody know the answer? I don't know the answer Batman is consumed by negativity and I'm yeah. totally motivated the by Dark it. like, Knight. yeah, I, look, I, yes, I love Batman, love Batman, but the, I can't, I can't say that he's my favorite because he's, he's really, he hasn't transcended the negativity, the negative things. He's used it as motivation. That's super powerful, but he's, he's in some ways consumed by it.
0: He's brooding. He's brooding. Yeah. All right. Um, we're on Facebook live right now. I think we have some questions. Potentially, if we don't, I want to talk to everyone about um, the Impact Theory store, which just launched. Oh, look at that. Self-promotion. Hit it, hit it. There it is. We're wearing the Impact Theory shirt right here. Um, Anyone can get one now. Go to shop.impacttheory.com. We're doing a special giveaway right now promo because we just launched. So use the code KICKOFF. That's KICKOFF in uh in the checkout and you can get 35 percent off nice for sure at these things like i'm super shocked at how well they've done so to anybody
1: in the feed right now that bought one of the shirts man thank you so much like they really sold like hotcakes i think we were all taken aback uh by how fast they sold so thank you guys thank you very very much and we promise that the store won't be embarrassing forever uh we will (laughs) improve it it literally right now you go and you're gonna be like Oh, it's a shirt. There's a shirt. There is a shirt. It is very singular. Uh, We will be adding stuff. We're also looking for people if you want to submit designs. um, If there's a quote or anything from the show, from the ethos in general, that you'd love to see made into a shirt, submit it. You can send it to connect at impacttheory.com. And um, if it really does fit and people are super into it, then we will um, get it up there. I think that signal is four minutes.
0: All right, we have four minutes. So that's or just one ideas or two that you have for uh, things you'd want to see in the Impact Theory store. Yeah, word. Got a request for a poster. Great. Nice question poster. Yeah, word poster. Definitely do some of those. Um, well, those are all the questions I have. Did nice. you want to talk about anything else? No, man, I just, um, I, I really,
1: really encourage people to watch this episode. Wes, I think, has um, nailed so many things about the way the mind works and about an empowering belief system, about overcoming um, obstacles, things that have happened to you, um, the way that people trap themselves in a negative self-narrative. I think he's got answers to a lot of that stuff. His own story is just super, super inspiring. I think a lot of people have been moved by this. Certainly people have written in saying that he really, really touched them. Um, and, and yeah, I just... Uh, there's no substitute uh, to hearing directly from him. And like, check out what he's doing with a human project and, and the Human Gathering. Yeah. Incredible, incredible stuff. Uh, be a part of it. And if you're in LA, oh, Cindy, do you know the date? April what is the Human Gathering? Uh- Man, that's like super soon. So, all right. So April 6th, this April 6th, 2017. Um, if you guys are in LA, come by. I'm going to be speaking Um, I will do my best to like really rock it and deliver just a massive ton of value. And you guys know my shtick. If you come and you have a question, I will stay in the lobby if I have to until every question has been answered. Um, I've clocked like I'm forgetting now and I'm probably blowing it. It was at least six hours. It might have been as many as eight hours um, at a recent event that I just stayed and answered questions. Um, I will keep going until you have no more. I live to serve this community and to do amazing things uh, for you guys. So come out, support Wes. Um, and then hit me up. What's that?
0: We'll be sharing more
1: about it. Yeah, for Schweiz. Yeah. So we will definitely keep you guys abreast as we get closer. Um, but I think that's it. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. And on behalf of Agent Smith and myself, uh, thank you for joining us. This is a weekly show. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Peace out.